0: Thank you for coming to today's mass service, Sunday morning. Welcome. God bless you. I pray that I find you in good spirits. And remember, with God, all things are possible. That's why we come together and we take communion. With God, all things are possible. He changes the molecules. He made the world. We are in His hands, and we give ourselves over to Him. the the requirements he asks us to do are not grievous. Pray, praise him, thank him. Pray for your enemies, forgive them. They are not difficult. They are possible for us. We do the possible. We get on our knees, is the possible. Getting on our knees and acknowledging the Lord that he is king of kings, lord of lords, master of all Our Savior, our Redeemer, blessed be the Lamb that was slain from the foundations of the earth. Amen. Let us get our communion elements ready, please. We're going to have today's Sunday service for the first week of October. May God bless you and keep you and make His face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord Jesus Christ fix you up and it'll never be a problem again. That's what he, in essence, he has promised us. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise his holy name. Holy, holy, holy. Say that with me. Say it. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Holy, holy, holy. Let us wait upon the Lord who gives us instructions on how to live. The Lord is holy. Who is he? He is our Father. Let us acknowledge our Father with the Lord's Prayer. Who woke us up this morning? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us of our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Please have your communion elements ready. We're going to partake of Holy Communion. As prescribed to us by our Lord Jesus Christ. He said to us, do this in remembrance of me. We do this, we break bread. Because Jesus Christ gave up his bread for us. The Lord Jesus said to work for this. And this is the possible thing. That we're to believe and imagine him on the cross dying for us. This is the work that we have to do. Is acceptance. Accept it. Lord, we thank you for dying on the cross for us. Thank you for willingly going to the cross and sacrificing your body for us, which is the bread of life. Your body was broken for us to give us life. Thank you, Jesus, that you died on the cross for us to give us brand new life. Let us partake of the bread of life. Let us acknowledge the Lord Jesus Christ who died on the cross for us. We accept that, Lord, the great exchange. We accept that, Lord. And with that, Jesus took the cup and he said, this is my blood shed for you, for the remission of sins, for the cleansing and sanctification of pure our souls. Lord, we thank you for that blood. It restores, makes brand new. Thank you, Lord, that you are our redeemer, our sanctifier. You you are our righteousness, Lord. Thank you for taking all our sins, sickness, and disease away. Thank you for taking all our poverty, sadness, and loneliness away. Thank you for taking our despair and take the curse away, Lord. We are not cursed. We are covered by the blood. We're, we are whole people, completely saved by the blood of the Lamb, Jesus Christ. We are made whole, nothing missing, nothing broken. All is well. And the more we say all is well, the more our outward circumstances will become well. All is well in our spirits. All is well in our lives. All are well in our choices. We choose the blood of Jesus Christ. We say yes and amen. Amen cleanse us lord according to thy word do unto us according to thy word in jesus name let us partake of the blood of christ amen O lord you have given everything its place in the world and no one can make it otherwise For it is your creation, the heavens and the earth and the stars. You are Lord of all. That's from Esther chapter 13, verses 9, 10, 11. First reading. Our first reading comes to us from the book of the prophet of Isaiah chapter 5. Let me now sing of my friend, my friend's song concerning his vineyard. My friend had a vineyard on a fertile hillside. He spaded it, cleared it of stones, and planted the choicest vines. Within it, he built a watchtower and hewed out a winepress. Then he looked for the crops of grapes, but what a yield was wild grapes. Now inhabitants of Jerusalem and people of Judah, judge between me and my vineyard. What more was there to do for my vineyard? That I had not done. Why when I look for the crop of grapes. Did I, it bring forth wild grapes. Now I will let you know. What I mean to do with my vineyard. Take away its hedges. Give it to gracings. Break through its walls. Let it be trampled. Yes I will make it a ruin. It shall not be pruned or hoed. But overgrown with thorns and briars. I will command the clouds. Not to send rain upon it. The vineyards of of the clouds, the vineyards of the Lord of hosts is the house of Israel, and the people of Judah are his cherished plant. He looked for judgment, but see, bloodshed, for justice, but hark, the outcry. The word of the Lord, thanks be to God. The vineyard of the Lord is the house of Israel. Psalms 80. A vine from Egypt you transplanted. You drove away the nations and planted it. It put forth its foliage to the sea. its shoots as far as the river. Why have you broken down its walls so that every passerby plucks its fruit? The boar from the forest lays it waste and the beasts of the fields feed upon it. Once again, O Lord of hosts, look down from heaven and see. Take care of this vine and protect what your right hand has planted, the son of man whom you yourself made strong. Then we will no more withdraw from you. Give us new life and we will call upon your name, O Lord God of hosts. Restore us in your face, shine upon us, then we shall be saved. A second reading from the book of Philippians, chapter 4. A reading from the letter of St. Paul. Brothers and sisters, have no anxiety at all, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, make your requests known to God. Then the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, Whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is gracious, is there any excellence, and if there anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Keep on doing what you have learned, and receive and heard, and seen in mean. Then the God of peace will be with you. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Holy, holy, holy is Him. Holy, holy is the Lord. Be healed, be made whole. Heal your ears. Heal your heart. The Lord, heal your eyes. Be restored. The Lord, touch your heart. Touch you with the blood of Jesus. Cleanse you. Make you whole. The Lord says, I have chosen you from the world, says the Lord, to go and bear fruit that will remain. Be refreshed, be restored in Jesus' name. I love you. The Lord be with you and also with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Glory to you, Lord. Matthew 21. Jesus said to the chief priests and the elders of the people, Hear another parable. There was a land owner who planted a vineyard put a hedge around it, dug a winepress in it and built a tower then he leased it to tenants and went on a journey when vintage time drew near he sent his servant to the tenants to obtain his produce, but the tenants seized the servant and one they beat, another they kill and a third they stoned, again he sent other servants, more numerous than the first ones, but they treated them in the same way Finally he sent his son to them, thinking, They will respect my son. But when the tenants saw the son, they said to one another, This is the heir. Come, let us kill him and acquire his inheritance. They seized him, threw him out of the vineyard and killed him. What will the owner of the vineyard do to those tenants when he comes? They answered him, He will put those wretched men to a wretched death and lease his vineyard to other tenants. Who will give him the produce at the proper times? Jesus said to him, Did you never read the scripture? The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. By the Lord has this been done, and it is wonderful in our eyes. Therefore I say to you, the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people that will produce his fruit. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord is good to those who hope in him, to those who are searching for his love. Lamentations 325. The Lord is good to you that are hoping in him. You are searching for his love. May the Lord fill your cup this morning. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Our mass service has ended. Go in peace. The blessings of the Lord be upon you. We bless you in the name of the Lord. About Limitless Love, October the 2nd. The greatest love ever known. Greater love has no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. John fifteen thirteen. To fully appreciate how deeply Jesus loved us, we need to understand just how much he sacrificed. Not only when he died on the cross, but every day he lived in this sin racked world We need to think about the fact that he left the unspeakable glories of heaven where he had lived forever. He left a place where there is nothing but joy and peace, harmony and love to dwell in a place that is a pigsty by comparison. A place that is full of hatred, robbery, murder and every kind of violence imaginable. He gave up the privilege of dividing of divinity. He gave up the divinity spiritual form that enabled him to be omnipresent, omniscient, and omnipotent. The Bible says he emptied himself of those privileges, Philippians 2, 7, and limited himself to the form of flesh and blood. He, being God, became a man, not a superhuman, but a real human being who left hunger, who felt hunger, and got tired, just like other men. He gave up his divine knowledge and took on the mind of a man who had to grow in the Word just as you and I do. He had to find out who he was through prayer and by studying the Scriptures. He had to find himself in the book of Isaiah and the Psalms. He had to stand on those words when doubts assailed. Temptations came and the devil said, If thou be the Son of God. Jesus had to stand on God's word by faith after his crucifixion when he was in the pit of hell paying the full price for our sins. He had to believe that God could raise him up from the place from that place even though it had never been done before. No one had ever gotten out of hell. What if something went wrong? From that viewpoint of human history, Jesus was taking a risk no other man had ever taken. What could make someone take such a risk? Love, only love. Love drove Jesus to become the Son of Man, not just for 33 years, but forever. Even after His resurrection from the dead, He didn't go back to His previous form. He remained a man, a glorified man, a man who is as much God as He is man. But a man nonetheless, even now, he ever lives to make intercession for us. Hebrews 7.25 He still has the holes in his hands and feet. He still has the hole in his side and the scars on his head. He still bears in his glorified body the marks of his eternal sacrifice. He carries them as undeniable evidence of his love for us. The greatest love ever known by Kenny Copeland Limitless Love Welcome to today's reading of Philippians chapter 2 Our study notes say We are never an island unto ourselves, we are part of a whole a member of Christ's body If we are part of a loving community, when others hurt, we hurt. When we hurt, others hurt. We have a responsibility to learn to live out our faith. As we grow, we move beyond a self-centered focus and learn to be available to others also. As we learn to love others, they will learn to love us. As we connect with others, so we develop mutually accountable relationships that help the entire body of Christ. Now, service grows from the soil of humility. So often, however, humility has been misunderstood by a negative character trait. Humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking more of God and of others. In other words, humility is not about putting ourselves down, but rather about glorifying God and affirming others. Jesus Christ is the greatest example of humility. He left the place of honor in heaven in order to become God's servant on earth. In the process, however, he didn't tear himself down or deny that he had any value, but he did lift others, go up, up through his humility, and show them how valuable they were. Jonathan's attitude towards David also provided a vivid example of humility. Jonathan counted David better than himself without thinking less of himself in the process. See 1 Samuel 23. So we see that humility is not being, about being a doormat. It's about being a doorway through which others enter into the presence and the power of God. By focusing on building others up and helping them along the way, we show them the love of God who desires the best for them. Let's put it into practice. Let us reflect, reflect on the ways we can strive to put others' interests ahead of our own. In what ways can we show others how much you and God value them? How would Christ make himself nothing if he were in your place? Okie And some further notes is... Our prime example for surrender to God is Jesus Christ. Humility can be easily seen as he continually sought his Heavenly Father in prayer and relinquished his will to him. The Apostle Paul wrote, Your attitude should be the same that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not demand and cling to his rights as God. He made himself nothing. He took the humble position of a slave and appeared in human form and in human form he obediently humbled himself even further by dying a criminal's death on the cross. Because of this, God raised him up to the highest of heavens and gave him a name that is above every other name. In a similar vein, the author of Hebrews wrote, Jesus was the willing to die a shameful death on the cross because of the joy he knew he would be his afterward Now he is seated in the place of highest honor besides the throne in heaven, Hebrews 12, 2. Note the progression. Jesus humbled himself, yet it was because of this that God raised him up to the heights of heaven. Humility was a key element in Jesus' life as he accomplished God's will for fallen humanity. If we are to surrender to God and his will for us, we need to be humble as well. Jesus did not pray solely for his own will, but humbly prayed for his Father's will to be done. We too ought to pray, Father, I want your will, not mine. This is the mark of true humility and the beginning of spiritual renewal. And I, may, I might add that the true humility is praying for others and forcing ourselves to do it and taking the time that is true humility for us for one we are making ourselves to do two it has what well, we give out what we dish out is what we get back need to pray for the body of christ to be strong and intelligent and and knowledgeable of the word of god amen amen here we go some more on chapter two it says here we are reminded that obedience to God's plan is one of the requirements for spiritual growth. Some of us may wonder how we are supposed to succeed at doing what God wants us to do. How can we be perfect? We have already admitted that we are powerless over the pool of our sinful nature. But God only asks us to live in a godly life. He also provides us with the power to do it. He is working in our lives, helping us to obey him. As we get to know God by reading the Bible and spending time with Him in prayer, He can begin to transform us from the inside out. Being a believer in Christ is not always easy. As others have clearly demonstrated, we need stamina to do the work and a service attitude to succeed in the spiritual battle we face. We must be willing to give ourselves to the cause of Christ. Choosing to put the needs of others before our personal comfort. As we serve others, we build meaningful relationships and a strong foundation for continuous spiritual growth. By helping others, we have helped ourselves and helped the cause of Christ. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. Now, please permit me to read chapter 2 of Philippians. Unity Through Humility Unity by humility. Is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? Any comfort from his love? Any fellowship together in the spirit? Are your hearts tender and sympathetic? Then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another and working together with one heart and purpose. Don't be selfish. Don't live to make a good impression on others. Be humble. Think of others as better than yourself. Don't think only about your own affairs, but be interested in others too and what they are doing. Your attitude should be the same that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not demand and cling to his rights as God. He made himself nothing. He took the humble position of a slave and appeared in human form. And in human form, he obediently humbled himself even further by dying a criminal's death on a cross. Because of this, God raised him up to the heights of heaven and gave him a name that is above every other name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Dear, dearest friends, you were always so careful to follow my instructions when I was with you. And now that I am always, you must be even more careful to put into action God's saving work in your lives. Obeying God with deep reverence and fear. For God is working in you giving you the desire to obey Him and the power to do what pleases Him. In everything you do, stay away from complaining and arguing so that no one can speak a word, a blame against you. You are to live clean, innocent lives as children of God in a dark world full of crooked and perverse people. Let your light shine brightly before them. Hold tightly to the word of life so that when Christ returns, I will be proud that I did not lose the race and that my work was not useless. But even if my life is to be poured out like a drink offering to complete the sacrifice of your faithful service, that is, if I am to die for you, I will rejoice and I want to share my joy with all of you, and you should be happy about this and rejoice with me. If the Lord Jesus is willing, I hope to send Timothy to you. Then when he comes back, he can cheer me up by telling me how you are getting along. I have no one else like Timothy who generally cares about your welfare. All the others care only for themselves and now for what matters to Jesus Christ. But you know how Timothy has provided himself like a son with his father. He has helped me in preaching the good news. I hope to send him to you to just as soon as I found out what is going to happen to me here. And I have confidence from the Lord that I myself will come to you soon. Meanwhile, I thought I should send Epaphroditus back to you. He is a true brother, a faithful worker, and a courageous soldier, and he was your messenger to help me in my need. Now I am sending him home again, for he has been longing to see you. And he was very distressed that you heard was ill, and he surely was ill. In fact, he almost died, but God had mercy on him and also on me, so that I would not have such unbearable sorrow. So I am in all the more anxious to send him back to you, for I know you will be glad to see him, and that will lighten all my cares." Welcome him with Christian love and with great joy and be sure to honor people like him. For he risked his life for the work of Christ and he was at the point of death while trying to do for me the things you couldn't do because you were far away. Amen. Our next reading will be chapter 3. Greetings, the readings of Philippians chapter 1 with New Living Testament notes. We're going to go ahead and read first the, uh, the notes and then we'll read the f- chapter in its content. Chapter 1, here we go. Paul was telling the Philippians about how he had been praying for them. This would have been a great encouragement to those early believers. Our spiritual awakening will lead us to feel a growing concern for people in need. As we share the message of hope with others, we may also make prayer for their progress as part of our service to them. Our commitment to pray for other people struggling with sin will have a significant impact on their spiritual growth as we let them know we are behind them Not only will they grow in their faith, but we will also experience the encouragement we need to persevere. In retrospect, Paul could see that even events of his life, both good and bad, had been allowed by God to help him spread the good news. If we take an honest look at our lives, we will probably find the same thing to be true. Through our pain, we gain the perspective needed to share the message of hope with others. As with Paul, our painful past and God's power to redeem our lives opens doors to serve God and others in new ways. As it's been said before, making a list of the people we pray for and getting to a point that when we're done, you can feel that we're done praying for them. For instance, Praying Psalm 23 for an individual, we say it like this: The Lord is the pastor of my brother; he shall not want. The Lord is the pastor of Gloria; she shall not want. I'm, I'm making a declaration into the air. The Lord is the pastor of my sons; they shall not want. And then when I go through all those names, then I say, "Finish the uh, third, the 23rd Psalm." excuse me, by saying, the Lord is the shepherd of all these ones I mentioned. Lord, you make them lie down in green pastures and you lead them besides the still waters. You restore their souls. You lead them in paths of righteousness for your namesake. Yes, though they walk through the valley of the shadow of death, they will fear no evil for you are right beside them. Your rod and your staff, they comfort them. The Lord has prepared a table before them In the presence of their enemies, the Lord has anointed their heads with oil. Their cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy and loving kindness will follow them all the days of their life, and they will dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever. Amen. Believe me, you do this for others, and it won't take long before they're happy, joyous, and free, and they're contacting you. That's been my experience. Amen. Are we good? Let's see. uh Let's read chapter 1 of Philippians. Oh, one more note is if we belong to God, we cannot lose. Whether we live or die, we know we will win in the end. But while we live, we need to persevere in our faith so that we can make spiritual gains. Paul's primary motivation for pers- persevering was his deep concern. For others who still needed to hear the good news of God's loving power. We too will have to face death one day. However, if we persevere in our faith, we can be useful to God until the day he takes us to be with him. There is always a reason to live. God still wants to use us to have the life of others. To save the lives of others. God still wants to use us. Amen. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. All right, chapter 1. Greetings from Paul. This letter is from Paul and Timothy, slaves of Christ Jesus. It is written to all of God's people in Philippi who believe in Christ Jesus and to the elders and deacons. May God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. Every time I think of you, I give thanks to my God. I always pray for you and I make my request with a heart full of joy because you have been my partners in spreading the good news about Christ from the time you first heard it until now. And I am sure that God who began the good work within you will continue his work until it is finally finished on that day when Christ Jesus comes back again. It is ro- right that i should feel as i do about all of you for you have a great place in my heart we have shared together the blessings of god both when i was in prison and when i was out defending the truth and telling others the good news god knows how much i love you and long for you in the with the tender compassion of christ jesus i pray that your love for each other will overflow more and more and that you will keep on growing in your knowledge and understanding. For I want you to understand what really matters so that you may live pure and blameless lives until Christ returns. May you always be filled with the fruit of your salvation, those good things that are produced in your life by Jesus Christ, for they will bring much glory and praise to God. And I want you to know, dear brothers and sisters, that everything that has happened to me here has helped to spread the good news. For everyone here, including all the soldiers and the palace guard, knows that I am in chains because of Christ. And because of my imprisonment, many of the Christians here have gained confidence and become more bold in telling others about Christ. Some are preaching out of jealousy and in rivalry, but others preach about Christ with pure motives. They preach because they love me, for they know the Lord brought me here to defend the good news. Those others do not have pure motives as they preach about Christ. They preach with selfish ambition, not sincerely, intending to make my chains more painful to me. But whether or not their motives are pure, The fact remains that the message about Christ is being preached. So I rejoice and I will continue to rejoice for I know that as you pray for me and as the Spirit of Jesus Christ helps me, this will all turn out for my deliverance. For I live in eager expectation and hope that I will never do anything that causes me shame, but that I will always be bold for Christ as I have been in the past and that my life will always honor Christ. Whether I live or die, for to me, living is for Christ and dying is even better. Yet if I live, that means fruitful service for Christ. I really don't know which is better. I am torn between two desires. Sometimes I want to live and sometimes I long to go and be with Christ. That would be far better for me. But if it is better for you that I live, I am convinced of this. So I will continue with you so that you will grow and experience the joy of your faith then when i return to you you will have even more reason to boast about what christ jesus has done for me but whatever happens to me you must live in a manner worthy of good news about christ as citizens of heaven then whether i come and see you again or only hear about you i will know that you are standing side by side fighting together for the good news don't be intimidated by your enemies this will be a sign to them that they are going to be destroyed, but that you are going to be saved, even by God himself. For you have given, been given not only the privilege of trusting in Christ, but also the privilege of suffering for him. We are in this fight together. You have seen me suffer for him in the past, and you know that I am still in the midst of this great struggle. Chapter 2. Amen. And chapter 2 in the next segment. Thank you. A Priceless Cut. A reading from the Grapevine, December 2017. Step 12. Having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we try to carry this message to alcoholic and to practice these principles in all our affairs. You never know when you might save a life between a shampoo and a blow-dry. When I was sober for five years, my friends took up a collection and bought me a gold AA charm for my birthday. I have worn it on a chain around my neck almost every day since then. To me, my necklace is magical. I never know how the day might unfold when I leave the house. Over the years, I learned to pay attention and trust where my A.A. charm and my higher power might lead me. Out in public, I try to remember that I am wearing a symbol that represents A.A. in the world at large. I need to mind my manners and act as a sober, responsible member of the fellowship. Even when I'm driving my car, some days I'm more successful at mining my manners than others. But my necklace is a great reminder to pay attention to my behavior and to my spiritual condition. People often notice my necklace. Sometimes they comment on it. I have to laugh at some of the remarks I heard over the years. Mostly people have no idea what the charm stands for or they might mistake it for something else. Someone asked me once, are you half Jewish? That looks like half a Jewish star. On another occasion, a woman held up her fist in the air and said, Right on, woman, power, woman power. (laughs) A technician gave me a memo last year asked if I belonged to Phi Delta. My favorite interactions happen when people are familiar with the AA symbol and we have an immediate bond with each other. These people might smile and simply say, I like your necklace. I smile back and we nod and exchange a meaningful look. If someone asks me what the symbol on my necklace means, I don't automatically disclose my membership in the program. I might say, I belong to a club. Sometimes people are nosy and persistent asking, what kind of club? I usually answer, it's a private club, giving them another kind of meaningful look, but politely. I think the most important reason I wear my necklace is to connect with the alcoholic who still suffers, which happens from time to time. One afternoon, I was walking on a shopping street when I saw a sign in the store advertising hair styling. I'm not normally the type of person who gets a haircut spontaneously. Usually, I need three or four recommendations to try a new stylist. But on that day, I walked right into the shop on a whim. The fellow who met me inside had so many tattoos, such huge arms, he he kind of frightened me at first, but I smiled and asked for a haircut. When he was washing my hair, the man said, I like your necklace, as usually I responded, I belong to a club. I used to belong to the same club, he said, but I left about five years ago. What happened next can only be described as the miracle of AA. We talked for over an hour. He told me how difficult it was for him to find his way back to the rooms. He had a hard story. We both cried. When I was leaving, he said, I know God brought you into my shop today. You are his messenger. I can't live the way I am living any longer. I am going back to the program. And so I left. The haircut was so terrific, but the magic I wore around my neck was the best gift anyone could ever give me. Carol P. from San Francisco. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Our next one is from Michael A. from Brentwood, Tennessee. When a stranger calls... My Friday night home group meeting had just concluded. The coffee pots and literature were put away and the lights were turned out. My sponsor and his wife and I decided to get some dinner after the meeting. Many of us frequently gathered for the meeting after the meeting and this was one of those nights. Sushi sounded like a good idea and became our fellowship plan for the evening. As I washed my hands in the restaurant bathroom, I felt my phone buzz with an incoming call. I didn't recognize the number, and I don't typically answer my phone while in a restaurant, but this time I did. The call was from our Middle Tennessee Central Office answering service. The man at the service was responding to a call he has just received from a woman desperate for help from AA. I am grateful to be on the list of the 12-step call coordinators. I took the woman's phone number and assured the man at the service that I would respond. I returned to our table at the restaurant to explain to my sponsor the call I just received. I mentioned quickly that I should go and follow up. After all, we have to look good in front of our sponsors. He agreed, then I mentioned that the woman's number had an unfamiliar area code. My sponsor looked up the area code, it was in Lynchburg, Virginia. I just happened to have an aunt in Lynchburg with 34 years in AA. I was beginning to suspect a higher power was and always is involved in this. The woman answered my call. She had been drinking and was in town for some work-related training nearby. She had been in AA, but recently slipped. I mentioned to her that I noticed her area code and that I had an aunt in AA who lives in her hometown. She was pleased to hear that Anne was willing to reach out to her upon her return home the following week. I gave her with permission my aunt's contact information. It was obvious she needed some help. Soon, Anne, she apparently knew where to look for it. I told her I would contact some of my women friends in AA and have them contact her. The hand of AA is alive and well at my home group. We are a three-legacy group with one well-attended meeting a week, I mail one of the women who regularly attend our meetings and even though it was 9 o'clock in the evening, I felt she would respond. I gave her the details and she and two other AA members went to the women's hotel where they spent an hour talking with her and making plans to follow up the next day with a meeting. I'm not sure whether recovery is part of the women's future, but I am sure it is available. I'm sure several of us stayed sober that evening. I am also sure that when anyone anywhere reaches out for help, I want the hand of AA always to be there. Michael A. from Brentwood, Tennessee. No, Michelle. It's a girl. Michelle A. All right. You can see I got, I got my GED when I came into Alcoholic Anonymous. It's the only time I was able to focus. One more story. One more story. This one comes to us from... Farro March Lake, Yukon. March Lake, Yukon. Mark V. says, Long Distance house. For many years, Faroe, British Columbia, a community of 2,500 people, had three AA meetings a week. Our group would travel great distance to go on 12-step calls and help other groups start up. Occasionally, we go to Skidoo, or snowmobile to remote trap lines cabins. One time, we took a call from the town Norman Wells. We couldn't travel all the way there to help them that time, but we did send a meeting kit and literature. When the mine shut down for the last time here in 1996, the population of Pharaoh dropped to approximately 350 people, and eventually found myself the only AA member left. So I started volunteering and doing service for others at the local ambulance, fire, search, and rescue. While this was good, it didn't make up for the spiritual aspects of my AA program that I was missing. Over time, my attitude slipped into a place I really didn't want to be. I definitely wasn't feeling as well as i liked to. Luckily, in 2006, I got a call from the White Horse Remote Chair He asked if I'd be interested in helping with a telephone AA meeting. White Rock, British Columbia, was up for sponsoring a telecommuted phone meeting, and I was a lucky candidate. The phone meetings ran every two weeks for a short time. Then at my request, we stepped it up to once a week with alternating sponsors on the White Rock end. We read and studied the steps and traditions on our calls. I can't tell you how much I appreciate this meeting, I'm so grateful for the other AA members taking time from their busy lives here in British Columbia to assist us remote members in our journey through sobriety. I get to see a demonstration of commitment to service by their consistent, reliable, and timely calls each week. I can still suffer the pain of loneliness and mild depression here in Faro, but I now have some great tools to drag myself out of it. If I should, so choose. Sometimes I'll suffer a bit anyway just because I can. I've gained some good friends through this phone service. We have actually visited each other both ways when I travel to the lower mainland, not often. I'm provided with a place to stay, food and hugs in abundance. I feel loved and cared for just as when I first got to AA back in 1982. Each phone meeting reminds me of my early days and the feelings I had at that time. It's so valuable to me. I can actually feel the love over the phone. And the funny thing is, I don't especially like telephones. From Mark V. Faro, Marsh Lake, Yukon. Thank you, Mark. Long distance hugs. Thank you for listening. Let's finish our prayer, our meeting. God... Grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Amen. Keep coming back. It works if you work it. King James. Welcome to today's reading of King James. Psalms 2, starting with the Psalms. Why do the heathen rage and the people imagine a vain thing? The kings of the earth set themselves, and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, Let us break their band asunder and cast away their courts from us. He that sitteth in the heavens shall laugh. The Lord shall have them in derision. Then shall he speak unto them in his wrath, and vex them in his sore displeasure. Yet have I set my king upon my holy hill of Zion. I will declare the decree the Lord hath said unto me, Thou art my son, this day have I forgotten thee. Ask of me, and I shall give thee the heathen for thine inheritance and the uttermost parts of the earth for thy possession. Thou shalt break them with a rod of iron. Thou shalt dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. Be wise now, therefore, O you kings. Be instructed, O you judges of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the son, lest he be angry. And you perish from the way When his wrath is kindled but a little Blessed are they that put their trust in him Psalm 32 The joy of forgiveness Blessed is he whose transgressions is forgiven Whose sin is covered Blessed is the man whom the Lord impute not iniquity, and in him whose spirit there is no guilt. When I kept silent, my bones waxed old through my roaring all the day long. For day and night my hand was heavy upon me. My moisture is turned into the draught of summer. Salah. I acknowledge my sin unto thee, and my iniquity have I not hid. I said, I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord, and thou forgavest the iniquity of my sin. Salam. For this shall everyone that is godly pray unto thee in a time when thou mayest be found. Surely in the floods of great waters they shall not come nigh unto Him. Thou art my hiding place. Thou shalt preserve me from trouble. Thou shalt compass me about with songs of deliverance. I will instruct thee and teach thee in the way which thou shalt go. I will guide thee with my eye. Be you not as the horse or as the mule which have not understanding, whose mouth must be held in with a bit and brittle, lest they come near unto thee. Many sorrows shall be to the wicked, but he that trusted in the Lord, mercies shall compass him about. Be glad in the Lord, and rejoice, ye righteous, and shout for joy all you that are upright in heart. Psalm 62. Only in God is there rest. Truly my soul waited upon God. From Him cometh my salvation. He only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. I shall not be greatly moved. How long will you imagine mischief against a man? Ye shall be slain, all of you, as a bowing wall shall you be and as a tottering fence. They only consult to cast him down from his excellency. They delight in lies. They bless with their mouth, but they curse inwardly. So my soul waits thou only upon God, for my expectation is from him. He only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. I shall not be moved. In God is my salvation and my glory, the rock of my strength, and my refuge is in God. Trust in Him at all times, you people pour out your heart before Him. God is our refuge for us. Salah. Surely men of low degree are vanity, and men of high degree are a lie to be laid in the balance they are altogether lighter than vanity trust not in oppression and become not vain in robbery if riches increase set not your heart upon them god has spoken once twice have i heard this that power belonging unto god also unto thee o lord belongeth mercy For thou renderest to every man according to his work. Psalms 92. The rebellious will perish, the just flourish. It is a good thing to give thanks unto the Lord and to sing praises unto thy name, O Most High. to show forth thy loving kindness in the morning and thy faithfulness every night. Upon an instrument of ten strings and upon the psalmstery, upon the harp with a solemn sound, for thou, O Lord, hast made me glad through thy work, I will triumph in the work of thy hands. O Lord, how great are thy works and thy thoughts are very deep. A brutish man knoweth not, neither does a fool understand this. When the wicked spring as the grass, and when all the workers of iniquity do flourish, it is that they shall be destroyed forever. But thou, Lord, art most high forevermore. For lo, thine enemies, O Lord, for lo, thy enemies shall perish. All the workers of iniquity shall be scattered. But my horn, but my horn, shall all exalt like the horn of a unicorn. I shall be anointed with fresh oil. My eye also shall see my desire on my enemies, and my ear shall hear my desire of the wicked that rise up against me. The righteous shall flourish like the palm tree; he shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Those that be planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. They shall still bring forth fruit in old age. They shall be fat and flourishing to show that the Lord is upright. He is my rock and there's no unrighteousness in him. Psalm 122, joy in going to the house of God. I was glad when they said unto me, Let us go into the house of the Lord. Our feet shall stand within thy gates, O Jerusalem. Jerusalem is builded as a city that is compact together. Whither the tribes go up, the tribes of the Lord, unto the testimony of Israel, to give thanks unto the name of the Lord. For there are set thrones of judgment, the thrones of the house of David. Pray for the house, for the peace of Jerusalem, they shall prosper that love thee. Peace be within thy walls, and prosperity within thy palaces. For my brethren and companions' sake I will now say, peace be within thee because of the house of the Lord our God I will seek thy good and now reading of Proverbs chapter 2 he who follows God is wise My son, if thou will receive my words and hide my commandments with thee, so that thou incline thine ear unto wisdom and apply thine heart to understanding, yea, if thou cries after knowledge and lift up thy voice for understanding, if thou seekest her as silver and searchest for her for his for hid treasures, Then shalt thou understand the fear of the Lord, and find knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom, and out of his mouth cometh knowledge and understanding. He laid up sound wisdom for the righteous. He is a buckler to them that walk uprightly. He keepeth the path of judgment, and preserveth the way of his saints. Then shalt thou understand righteousness, and judgment, and equity, yea, every good path. When wisdom entered into thy heart, and knowledge is pleasant unto thy soul, discretion shall preserve thee, understanding shall keep thee, to deliver thee from the way of the evil man, from the man that speaketh forward things, who leave the path of uprightness, to walk in the way of darkness." who rejoice to do evil and delight in the forwardness of the wicked, whose ways are crooked and they forward in their path to deliver thee from the strange woman, even from the stranger which flatter with her words, which forsaketh the guide of her youth and forgeteth the covenant of her God. For her house inclined unto death, and her path unto the dead. None that go unto her return again, neither take they hold of the path of life. The upright will inherit life. That thou mayest walk in the way of good men, and keep the path of the righteous. For the upright shall dwell in the land. The perfect shall remain in it, but the wicked shall be cut off from the earth, and the transgressors shall be rooted out out of it. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.